So there's a new study that has found that communities that are exposed to disaster, whether that disaster is natural or protest action or, you know, other forms of disaster, uh, those communities that are exposed to disaster are likely to experience depression in the long term. The study showed that those worst affected are black women, uneducated and poor communities. This is according to the findings of a decade-long study of more than 17,000 South African conducted by UKZN and international researchers. The first study of its kind in South Africa based on national level evidence to link the first onset of depression to community disaster. We invited Dr. Andrew Tomita, who's senior lecturer at the School of Nursing and Public Health at the College of uh, Health Sciences at the University of Guazulu Natal. Dr. Tomita, good morning. Thank you so much for your time. So, I mean, why was there a need even for such a study? Uh, thank you very much, Katie, for the invitation, and good morning to the F- FM uh, listeners. Yes, that is a wonderful question. Um, it's not, you know, what we found is it's not a big surprise. But having said that, let's put this in a context. Climate change is perhaps one of the most defining sustainable development challenges in the region. And although climate change is one of the key drivers of disaster, there is, believe it or not, not enough attention in the region or even a large-scale evidence that speaks to the mental health impact of community disasters. And um, our investigation conducted by the transnational disciplinary group of researchers, uh, health sciences, agriculture, engineer life sciences at UKZN, fills that important gap and provides large-scale empirical evidence, empirical meaning the study that actually uses actual data right, on the likelihood of depression among individuals living in community affected by disaster, and we hope that our research raises further awareness about the danger of climate change or mental health in South Africa, especially in vulnerable communities. What was the study based on, uh, Dr. Tomita? Yes, so our, our, our investigation uses data from NIST. It's, it's also known as the South African National Income Dynamic Study. And there's two things that's really special about this data set. It is nationally representative, meaning that it's, it's a group of study participants mm. that closely matches the character, two characteristics of, of South Africa. And the second part is it employs a panel design, meaning that the NIST collected information of study participants repeatedly over time. And, and this is very rare in, in African settings. Mm, mm. So, I mean, uh, how was it conducted? It was done over a 10-year period. So, I mean, a lot happens for anyone over a 10-year period. So, I mean, how then uh, was it conducted over this 10-year period? So that, that is exactly the, the power of panel, that the, the, the individual circumstance, individual change over time. So there, there needs to be a study that monitors the change in people's uh, characteristic over time. So what we did is that we extracted about 17,000 uh, information about 7,000 7, South Africans who were considered to have no or low risk of depression in the beginning. They were depression-free in the beginning. Mm. And, and observed who would eventually experience depression 
later on, depending on where they lived, in a, in a community that was impacted by a disaster during the course of the study. Mm. So, which is, for some, it, it, the follow-up period is about 10 years. So, we're talking about very long, um, very long follow-up. And so, what we did is that um, the data from the disaster, actually, um, this is, I, I, I'm a data scientist. I, I'm, I'm passionate about data. And data is mm. everywhere. Mm, mm. So, the data on the disaster actually came from the South African government gazette. So, Whenever government declares state of disaster, according to the Disaster Management Act of 2002, it is noted in the Gazette. So what we did at UK is that we painstakingly dug up the government Gazette between our study period, which is about decade, 2008 to 2017, hmm. to find the date, location, and cause of disaster as noted in the state of disaster declaration. And then finally... Um, as a final step of linking depression disaster, we cross-reference and overlay disaster data location without of individual data from this, which contains depression information of mm. the study participants. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let, let's talk now about the link then between a disaster and a depression. Because as human beings, we're, called, you know, I think if, if you live and and uh, 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 life generally, there's a point at which you're going to experience some sort of disaster of some kind, whether that uh, disaster is natural or, you know, uh, as we see here in, the, in, in South Africa, we tend to see a lot of protest and so how then is the linkage between disaster and depression? I think the, the, the definition of the disaster is that it's a, it's, a, it's a very serious event and it exceeds people's, uh, it has to uh, exceed people's capacity, right? So uh, that's where the, the, the issue is. So the linkage, I would say, between disaster and depression is that, you know, um, it's it's often large scale mm. and, and unforeseen and sudden event and 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 no individual is responsible. It's it's and it's not their fault that people are you know exposed to disaster. But mm. this unseen sudden sudden event, it's personally, if it's sudden, um, it, it could be. And if I don't have enough resources to cope with it. If it exceeds my capacity, mm. it could be really an overwhelming experience. And and also, um, there's a term called the um, climate anxiety. Um, people are really, you know, even if it's not the disaster of sudden, people are really concerned about climate. Mm. Um, you know, are our, our, our kids, uh, you know, our grandkids, are they going to, are they going to, you know, live in an environment where there's nature or have enough water. Uh, so people are really uh, worried about it. And they call it like climate anxiety, mm. ecological distress. Uh, so, uh, so those are the type of things that, you know, uh, yes, the disasters, I would say that it's, it's highly linked to, yeah. uh, to mental health challenges. 
How how did you uh, uh, describe a disaster in the study? Uh, because uh, you know, there's this thing called PTSD that uh, a lot of us know know about the post traumatic stress disorder. And how different is it to you know depression as you are defining it for the purposes of the study? So my question is, how for the study is disaster described? How is depression described? And is it in any way linked to uh, post Post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, okay, G, uh, so you're you're hundred percent right. Uh, PTSD and depression they're they're different. Mm. Right? Um, mm. Depression involves loss of interest. But when you look, when one looks at and, and unfortunately we don't have the data on P, uh, PTSD. Mm. Uh, mm. But but just imagine community disasters means the, the it is possible that the entire community is wiped out. Yeah, right? and so, so that means that you know, and then without remedy or corrective action in restoring your neighborhood, right? Mm. Uh, and, and and if the restoration takes time, um, it, it could I I could have you know I could be I could lose interest. Yeah. Um, I could be less hopeful for the future. Mm. Uh, so, although it is different. That I, I think it, it, I think you know the, um, disasters also could impact depression mm-hmm. uh, if the, if if those um, situation the, dis, uh, the the impact of the disaster is not restored in the community. Yeah. So, what were the su- surprises for you uh, in the findings of the study, uh, Dr. Tomita? Yes. So one of the I, I, and and this is what was. Not so obvious. I think that the two major findings that I mentioned earlier is quite obvious to many of the listeners, and including myself. But one of the major findings is about the importance of religion. Mm. In our study, um, although I didn't mention in the, in, the, in the media brief, you know, we found that both overall and among socially vulnerable populations, say low-income groups, individuals who reported religion being important in their life was protective against the first onset of depression. And this is particularly an important aspect of this, this uh, disaster recovery planning and research because the role of the SEO or faith-based organization when it comes to climate change and mental health are often overlooked. But for mental health, people often rely on family members uh, in the absence uh, or, or poor access to formal health care, mm. mental health care. Mm. Unfortunately, families are already burnt out. Yeah, they're, 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 they're burdened by their effect. own problems. Yes, it's called in this field we call it the caregiver burden. Mm. Right? So, in the absence of limited, you know, disaster government recovery operation, mm-hmm. and and when the caregiver <laughs> caregiver burden, mm. the family members are stressed out, it is possible that the faith-based organization that are deeply embedded in the community may be the first responders and the only source of support for some. So, again, disaster is widespread. That is very disruptive to the life of the community. Faith-based organizations have the responsibility to foster dialogue in the community about climate change and mental health, restore human connection in the community that is impacted by disaster, and facilitate mutual support and build resiliency and and, and, and and fast recovery. And as noted before, one of the disasters, maybe I didn't mention this before, is that 
one of the disasters that, that was noted amongst us um, mm, mm. was called the human-made this, um, disaster, although I hate to differentiate those natural and human-caused disasters because they also have, they all have human components to it, a little bit of it. Yes. But it's a uh, mass unrest among xenophobia. That was one of the disasters that, 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 that was part of, that, that, that had a part mm. in, in driving that was, part of the, that was part of the disaster that had impact on, on the first onset of depression. So this means that for the faith organization, faith organization they also had the moral leadership to prevent mm. future xenophobia and spearhead uh, in, uh, inclusive South African community in the climate uh, and the mental health debate in the country. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to news headlines and ask you, please, Dr. Tamita, uh, to pause for me. But I want you, as I go to uh, the news headlines, to consider, uh, you know, I want to know the years, obviously, the specific time frame that you, uh, the 10 years in which you you did the study was. And part of the reason I want to know that is whether or not uh, the study was done, for example, at the time under COVID. And if at all people considered COVID uh, to be some sort of uh, disaster uh, in their own individual lives and whether it ended up impacting on them ultimately starting to get the onset, if at all, of uh, depression. We're talking about uh, the, you know, the community disaster uh, exposure and the first onset of depression. And we're talking with uh, Dr. Tomita and we'll continue this conversation in a short while because it's 10.30 now. Liesl Wilson is standing by with the news headlines conversations that you connect with and react to SAFM you are listening to KG Mwekezi on SAFM. So welcome back. Just in case you just joined us, we have been in a conversation with Dr. Andrew Tomita, who's a senior lecturer at the School of Nursing and Public Health at the College of Health Sciences at the University of Natal. And the reason for our discussion is because there's a new study that they did that found that communities exposed to disaster, and this is varied types of disaster from natural to protest action to other types of disaster are likely to experience depression in the long term. And the study showed that those worst affected are black women, uneducated and poor communities. Dr. Tomita, I wanted to find out about the uh, the years in which you conducted the study and if at all, uh, you know, COVID was in there somewhere. And as you were collating your data, if at all you saw the onset of depression from people having experienced the impact of COVID-19 on their lives. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Katie. So um, the study period is uh, between 2008 and 2017. Oh, okay. Uh, so it, it, it is pre-COVID, uh, but uh, uh, in this business, in the business of population health research, um, you know, the, if, if the study was between 2008 and 2017, the data does not come out on 2017. It comes out around maybe a year or two years later. Um, so. Uh, and what I could just uh, so the COVID uh, was not part of the factor, uh, but uh, there's a little bit of upside to it that um, it, it, you know COVID brings in another added dimension to it. But the, what I what I understand is that the NIST people, uh, mm. who con- the people who conducted this, they also have uh, they are also doing a research uh, that captures just the post. Uh, um, you know, a post-COVID 
uh, I would say, um, yeah. 2021 uh, mm-hmm. study, maybe, um, mm-hmm. where yeah. they look at the uh, social demographic and health uh, trends of, of that period. And we, when one compares, um, and this is already published already, so mm-hmm. um, it's nothing new. And then this is also based on my only on the only preliminary uh, that, that I conducted. Yes, there is significant. The depression symptomology is definitely significantly higher in the post immediately post COVID compared to pre COVID era. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I'm a black woman. I'm quite interested in the part about uh, the issues of the social standing and being prone to uh, disaster. Please explain that part about social standing and being prone to disaster, because when I was reading, uh, it says that the study shows that the worst affected are black women, uneducated and poor communities. So I think... um I think this is uh, this is um, maybe for the uh, international audience for, for, who are not very familiar with the um, the situation mm-hmm. uh, in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, yes, our, our major finding was that the the the, the impact of disaster on depression uh, was pronounced mm. on female black African individual with low education, low income. But uh, unfortunately, gender inequality and poverty are and persistently high in South Africa. Mm. And within the context of um, climate really disaster in South Africa, um, or anything else, I think, you know, when black Africans are majority, majority of the socially vulnerable population in, in South Africa, and, and were disappropriately uh, uh, affected by the disaster, uh, yeah. people who are socially vulnerable, mm-hmm. right, on average, they have fewer resources and they have fewer support to psychologically cope with the consequence of disaster. And therefore, we believe that uh, or we're more prone to depression caused by that disaster. And that is our uh, explanation of what is the relation between social standing, social vulnerability, and likelihood of depression caused by disaster, lack of resources. Yeah. I mean, would you say to me uh, that there is something that governments around the world can learn from this study? If so, what exactly can they learn? Uh, okay, it's, it's, it's a fascinating question. Um, so I already mentioned how I, how I was excited about this um, role the faith-based organization, mm-hmm. but I'll speak to what the government can do. So as demonstrated by the the leading public health response COVID-19, South Africa is a very, very, very capable nation. For example, in the fight against HIV epidemic, mm. we have world-class scientists in this country and this in our in my institution, like Professor. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to talk to Salim Abdul Kareem or Professor Tuli Oliveira, who were the first mover in in the detection of COVID-19 and Delta and Omicron. Uh, based on large, massive um, health events program that, is, that that we have in South Africa, so we we have the greatest mind in South Africa, right? But as our in- investigation pointed out, the detrimental impact of disaster on mental health is long lasting, right? Uh, especially the socially vulnerable. Research is important. I, I I get it, but it is also time to act. It's also time to put plans in action, mm. which includes timely access 
I feel like I repeat this a lot through every talk that I go to, but government should facilitate timely access to community-based support for mm. disaster survivors, prioritize socially vulnerable groups to receive their get help by making health services available to them in primary health care settings. But again, but not everything is just about the government, as mentioned before, mm-hmm. faith-based organizations. Mm. I know this was this was not overemphasized in our study, but it will also play an extremely important role in the field of climate change and mental health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? So, I mean, what you say, governments and faith-based organizations, what are the general recommendations, if at all, for those communities that are affected, as my last question? Uh, so as, as, as a part of the university community, um, we, we always raise awareness about mental health issues, and we, we are, we're committed. We're committed to improving the mental health care uh, in this country. Mm. Um, again, but we should always focus on prevention and early intervention. And, and again, we learn a lot from the, the COVID-19 health surveillance program. We definitely need a public investment yeah. for large health surveillance programs, and and we are so that we can we're in the middle of creating this early warning system because data is everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, so that we can that the people, especially the socially vulnerable population, can receive relevant and timely information in a systematic way prior to the, to disaster so that people can make informed decisions and take appropriate action. And we at the university, it, we're very happy to be part of the solution, and we are in the middle of an effort in designing such early warning system. So, um, again, um, government uh, should step up. Uh, their community, uh, should be facilitating access to, uh, again, community-based support for disaster survivors, prioritize, and also... Um, you know, success of the COVID surveillance program has taught the importance of surveillance programs. So we definitely need um, investment in large surveillance programs so that we can create this early warning system. Yeah, early warning system. Thank you, Dr. Tamita, uh, for explaining the research uh, to me. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Dr. Andrew Tomita is a senior lecturer at the School of Nursing and Public Health at the College of Health Sciences and uh, the University of Natal. Take care of uh, your mental health, uh, whatever you go through in your life, because as you heard him say, uh, you know, rather early than late, uh, you know, at the onset, it is better to deal with it at the onset than uh, later on, but particularly government needs to make accessible uh, you know, mental health care services in public uh, hospitals so that people are able to get the help that they need as early as they can get it.